Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Good morning. Morning. Welcome back from the summer. Everyone had a good time? Feeling rested? Oh, a bit better than the first service. When I said that, the first service, no one said yes. It was deathly silent. I hope you guys had a great break. It's great to be back together again. I particularly want to just extend my own personal welcome if it's your first time with us this morning. I hope you feel really at home and that you meet with Jesus and um, that you feel safe among us. And also particularly welcome if you are here and you're still trying to work out, is God real? Um, do I want to give my life to him? Who is this Jesus? I just really hope that you feel safe among us and that you really encounter Jesus here because he loves you so much. So thank you so much for coming to be part of us this morning. So, I did a puzzle a few weeks ago, a jigsaw puzzle. Anyone into puzzling? A few people, okay. I did a, a, a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle with one of my housemates, and it was one of those puzzles that has no picture to look at to follow. It was hardcore. So you're essentially, you don't know what kind of picture you're trying to make, and you're working on the puzzle. And for pretty much two days, we were just focusing in on the intricate detail of every individual puzzle piece to try and put this thing together. So, you know, we saw that quite a lot of the pieces had red on. So we would gather all the red pieces together and try and work out, do these actually fit together? And then at one point, I needed to find like a, a puzzle piece with a tiny bit of green on it to fit into a particular hole. And so I was searching and scanning each individual puzzle piece, looking at all the intricate detail to see where is that piece with the little bit of green on that I need for that particular space. And so we did it for a couple of days, and then we got to the point where we can put the last piece in the puzzle. Right, so that is an exciting moment, okay? We had that moment where we can put the last piece in the puzzle, and we did a little, yay, we've completed our puzzle dance, which I couldn't possibly replicate at this moment. But we did a little celebratory dance, and then because it was quite late, I went to bed. And when I lay down in bed, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly, and he said, Wendy, you didn't even take a moment to look at the whole picture. He said, you've been spending the last two days focusing on all the intricate detail of every individual puzzle piece, but you didn't take a moment once you'd finished the puzzle to press pause, take a step back, and look at the big picture. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment and said, that actually, that is a lot of how I spend a lot of my life, actually that I spend a whole lot of time looking at the detail of the stuff that I'm doing without pressing pause and taking a step back to look at the big picture, the reason why I'm doing the stuff that I do. And this morning we are starting a new series we're calling Clarity. And at the beginning of this academic year, we want to take some time to uh, get some clarity on the vision God has called us to as a church community, to look at where we're headed, what we feel like God has said to us as a church family. And over the subsequent weeks, we're going to look at the detail. We're going to hone in on the detail of our vision. And it's really important that we do that because when you unpack the detail of your vision, um, not only do you know how to actually get to where God is asking you to go, but also it means that every single one of us in this church can understand our own unique role that we get to play in actually bringing about the visions God's spoken over us. We've all got a unique role to play. And so we're going to get into the detail in subsequent weeks. But this morning, we're going to press pause and take a step back and look at the big picture. And we're going to remind ourselves this morning why we're doing what we do. 
We're going to remind ourselves this morning why we're so passionate about Bedford and the surrounding areas being impacted by the gospel. We're going to remind ourselves this morning why we give and serve so sacrificially as a church. We're going to remind ourselves this morning why we want to see God's kingdom come and impact every area of society. And this morning, we're going to take a step back to look up and to look at Jesus. Because the reality is, Jesus is the big picture. Jesus is the big picture. It's all about him. And I want us just to take some time this morning to see him afresh. Because the reality is, if before we go after the stuff that God has called us to do, we've first got to be freshly captivated by who he is. The reason we're doing what we do. And uh, we're going to do this by looking at some scripture in Colossians, the book of Colossians. If you want to turn there with me, you can, or it's going to come up on the screen. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15. But let me first give you some context about this letter that Paul wrote. So Paul actually wrote this letter um, under house arrest in Rome. And he'd never actually visited the church in Colossae, but he'd heard from the guy who'd planted the church, a man named Epaphras, that among other things, uh, the believers in Colossae did not have a clear enough vision of Jesus. They had somewhere along the, la- along the way lost their belief in the preeminence or the superiority of Christ. And they were just beginning to see him as another created being rather than God himself. In other words, the main thing had stopped being the main thing. And so Paul writes this letter to the church in Colossae to challenge that, among other things. And what he does is he starts his letter by thanking God for the believers, thanking God for who they are, and then he goes on to pray for them. And in verse 10, he prays that they would increase in the knowledge of God. And then by verse 15, he begins to paint this beautiful, majestic picture of who God is by looking at Jesus. Because the reality is when you see Jesus, you see the Father. They are one and the same. And so let's pick this up together. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. This is what Paul writes. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." Wow, this is Jesus. And there's so many things that we could pick out this morning to look at, but I just want to pick out a couple of things. And a couple of things that are going to help us as we look at our vision over these next few weeks, that are going to help us keep Jesus firmly at the center. That everything else, everything we do is going to revolve around him. And the first thing I think we need to realize as we look forward to what God has called us to and the things we're going after is this, that everything we do who we are, it's all for Jesus. It's all for Jesus. In verse 16, Paul tells us that everything was created for Jesus. Everything that exists is here for him. 
all of creation, stars, planets, mountains, seas, animals, flowers, every single human being exists for Jesus. It's all for him. All of creation exists to point to him, to reveal him, to make much of him, to praise him, to glorify him, to bring him pleasure. It's all for Jesus. And it, when it comes to our vision as a church, it's, we, we must remember that first and foremost, it all has to be for Jesus. He has to be at the center Every sickness we see healed, every marriage we see restored, every business we see impacted with the gospel, it's all for Jesus. For his glory, to point to him, to make much of him, to reveal him, it's all for him. And it's so important that we remember this because I don't know about you, but for me, I can so quickly and easily get so caught up in the nitty gritty of the detail of what I'm doing that I forget why I'm doing it. The truth is, guys, that the King's Arms Church exists for Jesus. We are here for him. And I don't know about you, but often my focus can get flipped on its head when it comes to that because I can end up sometimes, or maybe more regularly than sometimes, thinking that the King's Arms Church actually exists for me. that actually I should be the centre of attention and everything should revolve around me and I should be at the centre. You know, it's like we take that beautiful song where we sing about, it's all about you, Jesus, and we flip it on its head and although we didn't, don't sing it out loud, it's going on in our heart on repeat. It's all about me, Jesus, and all this is for me, for my glory and my fame. Sounds good, doesn't it? Thank you. The truth is that if you are a Christian here this morning and you have given your life to Jesus, that is literally what you've done. You've given your life to Jesus. Your life is not your own anymore. It belongs to him. We have been bought with a price, and it was a really high price. We now exist to point to Jesus, to make much of him, to reveal him, to bring him pleasure, to praise him, and to give him glory. And I think in practice, what this looks like is living a life of obedience to Jesus, of saying that, Jesus, what you think, what you want, what you say is more important than anything else. It's about living lives of surrender to him, at putting him as the most important person in our life and surrendering everything else to what he says and what he wants. And it's not just about surrendering because we know it's a good idea. It's not about surrendering reluctantly or to tick a box. It's surrendering, surrendering joyfully because we know that whatever he calls us to is going to be the best for us, even when it doesn't make sense, because he's Jesus. Let me give you an example from my own life. I, um, a few months ago, received a fairly exciting email from Mike Pilavacci's PA inviting me to go and speak at a conference they were running this summer that was called Naturally Supernatural. And they invited me to come and speak on the main stage. And uh, I, I was pretty excited because I've had prophetic words over my life about speaking in front of thousands of people. 
Um, and I've just been wondering, Jesus, how on earth is this going to happen? Is an opportunity ever going to arise for me to actually give that a go? And this was like, this must be it. Jesus, you have suddenly opened the door for that prophetic promise of my life to become a reality. Thank you, Lord. More than that, uh, the name of the conference was actually, happens to be the same name as a book I've written. And I thought, brilliant. It's a double whammy. Not only am I going to speak on a main stage at a conference, but I'm actually going to also sell loads of books, make a bit of money, and, and grow in my influence. I thought, Jesus, it must be you. It's just all fitting into place beautifully. Anyway, I figured I should probably ask him anyway whether he was actually in this, even though it made perfect sense that he was. So I took some time to pray and just mull over the invitation. And uh, it fairly quickly became apparent that Jesus had other ideas about the whole thing uh, because I just didn't feel peace in my heart as I was praying about it. So I left it quite a long time to get back to them because I was hoping Jesus would change his mind. So I was like, are you sure, Jesus? Let me just ask you again. What do you think? And every time, I just, I just didn't have peace about accepting the invitation. And so I said no. And it was a hard, it was a hard decision to, to say no to. But you know what? I realized this. It would have been much, much worse to say yes to something that Jesus didn't have my back in. And the reality is, my life is not my own anymore. It's his. I'm not living for me. I'm living for him. And what he says is the best for me. And I still don't know exactly why this was a no. I don't, I don't exactly know. Jesus hasn't been explicit about that. But what I do know is that my choice to surrender to him and put him first means that he has done something in my heart that means that I am more prepared now for whatever else he opens up for me in the future. How are you doing at living your life for Jesus? Is it still all about him? Or has it become a little bit more about you, your family, your kids, your work, your money? Is Jesus still at the center? You know, the more we see Jesus, the more we get a clear vision of what he's like, the more we fall in love with him. And when you fall in love with Jesus, the more you're willing to do anything for him. When you love someone, you'll do anything for them. The more we see Jesus, the more we fall in love with him. And the more we love him, the more we will surrender everything for him. And you know, it's not about us trying really hard to live for Jesus. It's not about mustering up loads of energy to live for Jesus and keep him at the center. Because the reality is this, we can't do it without him. It's only his grace that enables us to get revelation of him. That means we fall more in love with him, which means we want to do what he asks us to do. It's only by his grace. You can't work your way into this. We are totally dependent on Jesus to keep him at the center. Isn't that awesome? He will nudge us. If we're going off track, he will gently nudge us back. Hang on a minute, guys. Hang on. Have you forgotten? I'm meant to be at the center here. He is committed to doing that for us. We're totally dependent on him for that. And that's the second thing I want us to look at when it comes to looking at our vision, all the stuff God has called us to, wherever, where we're going as a church family, we've got to remember this. Not only is it all for him, but it's all through him. It's all through Jesus. In verse 16 of the passage we read, Paul just doesn't tell us that all things were created for Jesus. He also tells us that all things were created through Jesus. 
It was only because of Jesus that anything was created in the first place. And if Jesus hadn't been creating, nothing would have been created. It's all through Jesus. You and I are completely dependent right now in this moment for our existence. We're dependent on Jesus. Verse 17 says, in him all things hold together. He is holding everything together right now. And then in verse 20, Paul tells us that not only was everything created through Jesus, it is also through Jesus that all of creation is going to be reconciled back to Jesus. (laughs) In other words, anyone who doesn't know Jesus right now, the way that they are going to come back to him is through Jesus. Anyone who needs healing, they're going to be healed through Jesus. If we want to see God's kingdom impact our hospitals, schools, colleges, workplaces, it's all through Jesus. We are totally dependent on Jesus to see the stuff he's called us to happen. It's all going to happen through him. John 15 verse 5, Jesus tells us that without him we can do nothing. Did you get that? Without him you can do nothing. But then, in Matthew 19, verse 26, he tells his disciples, with God, all things are possible. How many things? All things. Did you get that? Without Jesus, you can do nothing. With Jesus, you can do anything. Turn to the person next to you and say, with Jesus, you can do anything. Tell the other person, the other side. It's so important that we take time to dwell on that word, anything, because I don't know about you, but my brain plays tricks on me, and I can turn to someone and say, with Jesus, you can do anything, but I've got a list of what that actually means. Anything actually means anything. Absolutely anything is possible with Jesus. Not just the things you've seen before that you can work out in your own brain. Anything is possible with Jesus. There are no impossibilities. It's important for us to dwell on that. I um, read this book twice over the summer, Birthing the Miraculous by Heidi Baker. And I would highly recommend it, but be warned, God is going to speak to you through it. I've been so provoked by this book and the life of Heidi Baker. For those of you who don't know her, she's a missionary in Mozambique. And she lives a life of radical dependence on Jesus. You know, the, the only way we tap into that anything is possible with Jesus is by depending on him. Let me say that again. The only way you tap into the anything is possible realm is by depending on Jesus. Because only with him that anything is possible. She lives a life of radical dependence on Jesus. And uh, her and her husband run a ministry called Iris Ministries. And throughout their ministry, they have planted around 10,000 churches across Mozambique and the surrounding areas And they are currently impacting more than 30 other nations worldwide. And they see amazing miracles happen on a very regular basis. And uh, I'll just tell you one particular story. I read from this book that before they started seeing breakthrough, Heidi just became desperate to see God break in because the need was so great around her. There were sick people everywhere. And she got a prophetic promise from God that said, the blind will see. So she took hold of this promise from God. And obviously she's dependent on Jesus for this. She can't make anyone who's blind see. So she took hold of this promise and she decided to go after blindness. And so she says this. She says, I kept looking for more and more blind people. I would ask them to come forward at every meeting. 
If I saw one by the road, I would leap out of my truck and lay hands on them, but not one of them was healed. And this went on for a year. A year of depending on Jesus, of leaning on him, and then suddenly a breakthrough came. And this is what happened. She says this, I was in a dark little mud hut church in central Mozambique, laying my hands on an old blind lady. Her eyes were clouded, the irises and pupils totally white. Suddenly, as I was praying for her, she fell down on the floor. I watched her eyes go from white to grey and then to dark, shiny brown. Can you imagine just watching that happen? After all the years of hoping, crying and trying, I witnessed what I had waited for. The woman could see. Isn't that awesome? So exciting. And now she sees, they see blind eyes open all the time. Heidi Baker lives a life of radical dependence on Jesus. And I think one of the reasons is why, why she does it so well is because the need is in her face. She wakes up every morning and knows if Jesus doesn't do something this morning, we are going to be stuck. The need is all around her. It's obvious where the need is. And there's no way that she can do what God has called her to do if Jesus doesn't do something through her. She is totally dependent on him for it to happen. And the truth is, guys, that we are just as dependent on Jesus for the stuff we're called to as Heidi is. The need for God's kingdom to break in in Bedford and in this nation is just as great as in Mozambique. It just looks different. It's just a little bit more hidden. And the reality is we can see miracles in just the same way as Heidi sees in Mozambique here in Bedford and in the surrounding areas. But we've got to learn to depend on the one for whom everything, anything is possible. And the challenge for many of us is learning how to get rid of our default for self-reliance. The challenge for many of us is that before we look up to him, we primarily look in or out. We primarily look to our own skills, our own gifts, our own resources, or the gifts and resources of those around us to meet the needs in front of us before we look up to him, the one who is able to do absolutely anything. And you know, the trouble with self-reliance and looking inwards is that we end up limiting what we're able to do to our own resources. If you look in, you can only do what you can do. But if you look up, suddenly the realm of anything is possible is available to you because he's got all the resources of heaven at his disposal. And I really believe that in this season, God wants to bring us greater freedom as a church from self-reliance. I really believe that's a journey he wants us to take, to take us on. That he wants to teach us more and more increasingly to first look up. And not just as a cursory glance, oh yeah, I should probably check in with Jesus. But as a way of leaning in and depending on the one for whom anything is possible. And seeing him work through us to do amazing miracles and bring breakthrough. And you know, the reality is one of the, one of the outworkings of us growing in dependence on Jesus is that we're going to pray more. It just happens. When you understand that you can't do it yourself, you, you suddenly, you're out of resources, you're out of stuff to fix stuff, you, and you look up, you're like, Jesus. Suddenly, that's where the rubber hits the road. And, and as a church, as Jesus deals with our self-reliance, we are going to pray more. We're going to come to the one for whom anything is possible and cry out to him for Bedford and for the surrounding areas and for this nation and the nations of the world to see him made famous. Uh, the extent to which we depend on God, our prayer life is going to go through the roof. 
really believe that's going to happen. And it's it's a journey Jesus has taken me on. I want to encourage you to look for opportunities. I believe God is going to bring us into opportunities where we can't do it in our own strength. And we're going to be like, God, what are you doing? But I want, I want to say, look out for those opportunities. They are a gift to you from your good father. He's going to lead us into situations where we cannot sort it out ourselves. Why? Because he wants to teach us to look up. He wants to teach us how to depend on him in greater measure. Why? Because the calling he's placed over us as a church is bigger than our collective resources. The stuff God has called us to do as a church family is bigger than our collective gifts and resources. And that's a good thing. The stuff God's called us to, we cannot do. Did you, did you realize that? That's a good thing. The bigger the calling, the better, because the more you lean into Jesus and you get to see him at work. Uh, as I said, it's a journey God's got me on and so many different areas where Jesus is very kindly showing me where I'm still self-reliant, and it's not super comfortable in the moment, but I tell you, it's a good thing because it, it deepens intimacy. It grows intimacy with him. And uh, recently, I've been looking into buying a house for the first time, and I've met with a financial advisor and you know, looked at all the money stuff, and it's been very, very helpful. It's been good to look at the detail. Um, but the truth is that my default in the whole process, I've realized, is I was very, very quick to look in and out. And I quickly went through the calculations in my head. Well, if I move that money from that account to that account and I don't spend that much and I, and I save this amount this, every month, then maybe, maybe by then I'll have this pot of money and I could put that on a deposit. And obviously there's nothing wrong with planning and being faithful with the money God's given me. That's a good thing. But my default was to look in and to look out. And it should have been look up. Because the reality is money is not a problem to Jesus. <laughs> You know, it's pretty, it can become pretty stressful to try and work out your own finances. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be faithful with what God's given you. But what I am saying is you've got a preeminent, superior saviour in heaven who's got access to all the resources of heaven. And so that's what I'm trying to learn to do. I'm l- trying to learn to look up, to depend on Jesus and to ask him to bring breakthrough for me. I'm going to see what he does. And that's what dependence looks like. It looks like acknowledging your need, your lack, and your weakness, and then asking big things from a preeminent saviour. And you know, it's, it's not about trying really hard again. It's not like I'm going to try really hard to depend on Jesus. No, no. It's about seeing him. And when you see him, and you see his faithfulness, and you see his kindness, and when you see that he is passionate about being lavishly generous. And when, he, when you see that he's eager to answer your prayers and when you see him seated on the throne, totally victorious with all the resources of heaven at his disposal, when you see him, you can't help but fall in love with him. And when you love him, dependence on him makes the most sense. Nothing else makes sense. It's all about him. How are you doing at living your life dependent on Jesus? What does your prayer life show you about whether you first look up or whether you first look in or out? God is calling us to stuff as a church that's way beyond what we can do. And that's great. 
That is great. But I'll tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take a room full of individuals who are increasingly learning what it means to be dependent on Jesus for us to do it. So as I said, we're going to look at the details of our vision in subsequent weeks. But before we do that, we need to press pause, take a step back, look up, look at Jesus. Remember why we're doing what we do. It's all for him. It's all through him. We've got to see him more clearly. And one of the ways we see Jesus more clearly, I believe, is when we worship. You know, when you worship Jesus and when you uh, sing out truths about who he is, it takes your attention off of yourself and your circumstances and it lifts your gaze to see Jesus as he really is. And I, I just love our worship here. And I love it, actually, particularly when we repeat phrases. Because I think when, what's happening when you repeat a phrase is if you stay connected to that phrase in your heart, what's happening is every time your heart's just getting a bit wider, 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 for revelation to come and actually break in to your heart. As you repeat phrases about God's goodness, Jesus' kindness, the fact that he's in authority, bit by bit by bit, revelation breaks in and it goes from us singing up here to it coming out of the depths of who we are. And worship is going to be crucial for us as we start this new term to help us get a fresh revelation of Jesus. And I want us to spend some time worshipping now. We're going to spend more time worshipping Jesus, remembering it's for him, it's all through him, that you are here for him. What he's called you to is going to happen through him. We've got to see him.